Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show, though I'm going to be doing very little talking on this one. Uh, it's pretty rare that I just upload a, a bunch of audio that I recorded for an entire episode, but it's also pretty rare that the Colorado Rockies bring back the Blake Street Bombers and have Four of the five of them, Andres Galarraga was sadly not able to make it, but Ellis Burks, Vinny Castilla, Larry Walker, and Dante Bichette, legends of Colorado Rockies history, were in the house just yesterday. I happened to be in the house, well, happened, I I worked down there, so I I was there. (laughs) So I recorded all of the audio, I got to ask a question in here as well, which you will hear, but the guys were so great. That despite the fact that this is just audio taken off of my phone, it's it's not the best. Uh, I turned it up a little bit, tried to clean it up a little bit. Some of the parts where the room laughs are still a little bit loud, so I'll warn you about that. But I wanted you to be able to clearly hear the rest of the conversation because there there's a lot of great stuff in here. Everything from Colorado Rockies history to understanding their own legacies in hindsight to their thoughts on the current team and the way the the team could be built, or even some current players. And so since it ran the gamut, and I thought this was just basically all of it interesting, and there's no reason to parse each one of it out and say, here's what Vinny Castilla said, here's what Dante Bichette said, because topic to topic, I think they were all absolutely great. So I figured, why not just provide you with the entire audio, and I can shut my trap for once, and let the people who really know the game of baseball talk about it. So... Appreciate y'all for coming into this episode. Here are the Blake Street Bombers. And what's the first thing you first thing you think about when you think of Alice, Vinny, and Dante? Well, I think about oh, I think it's more for um, the cameras that my yeah, you're getting it. Well, for the first thing is memories. You know, when I, when I see these guys, and you know, I saw, I just saw Vinny now for the first time, but I saw the other two yesterday, and just the memories that come back that uh, of all the good times we had uh, playing and hanging out and being teammates and friends, and, and, and that for me is above and beyond everything else. Hey, just for pretty much everybody, I know you four are here, but also Cap was a big part of this. Uh, how often do you get to see him, and how much you get to talk to him and share the memories with him, too? I, uh, I talked to him in, uh, in the World Baseball Classic in Miami. I don't have his number, but that one of uh, friends, mutual friend, uh, uh, called him and was putting the phone with him. And, uh, I asked him, are you coming, Kat? He said, yeah, maybe, I don't know yet. But then, yeah, I talked to him. He's, uh, he's enjoying life with his family, playing golf a lot. So he's doing good. That was the last time I talked to him. Well, that was in March in Miami. I, I've got his number, and we live in the same complex, and I don't see him. So, that's, <laughs> so that's, all he does is golf, and he just he's on the course every day, all day. Vinny, of course, you're here quite a bit of the time, but for you other guys who maybe haven't seen this team that much this year, are, are there a couple of guys on the team that have caught your eye as you've gotten to watch them in the last couple of days? I've, I've, I've watched a lot of a lot of games, um, and. Yeah, I, I love the shortstop, Tovar. I think he's going to be a player, obviously. The Nolan Jones kid, I think there's some big numbers there, you know, and, and that's going to come. And I think Brendan Rodgers, I, I coached Brendan when he was five years old, and, and uh, I remember his dad saying his dad was a soccer player, and he, he, he 
was on our t-ball team, and we had this dynasty t-ball team with all my my two kids and him, and there was like two others, and I think there was like four first-round picks out of this t-ball team eventually. But I remember the dad saying, uh, you know, I don't know anything about this baseball. I think I'm going to take him and put him back in uh, soccer because I'm a soccer guy. And I go, well, I tell you what, man. I was like, he might be Pele. I don't know. But, <laughs> but that kid will play in the big leagues. That kid, is a, it was that obvious. So I, I have big, big dreams for, for Brendan, man. He's going to be a good player one day. So that's the three guys that really I see. And I know the guy in center can really, really go get it and throw out there. So. Well, I think, you know, the Rockies have a lot of young talent on the team, a lot of good players, nice minor league system as well. But the two players that I like as well is Tovar and uh, Nolan Jones. I've seen Nolan when he was with Cleveland in the minor league, so I've seen him quite a bit, Nolan, uh, a bit, you know, what he, what he can do. You know, uh, as far as the future is concerned, I mean, just like anyone, you have to learn the different pitchers in the league, kind of make your adjustments. And that's, that's everyone. You have to make the adjustments, and I think these guys are on their way. Could, um, could, could we go through with each of you and, and talk about the first defining moment for you uh, that you saw the, 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 the character of the Rockies club when you arrived, you know, when you started with the Rockies, a, a defining early moment um, that really showed what this club was going to be like? Well, Vinny was here first. Let's go with Vinny first. Aren't they good? That's right. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that was the, one of the best things that happened for me in, in, in my career. Uh, getting the, picked up in the expansion draft by the Colorado Rockies. I was, I was raised the, the team to give me the opportunity to, to establish myself at the big league level. And I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm very thankful to this organization. I'm still working for him and uh, I love him. And, and, you know, and playing with these guys along my career, I mean, that was... Uh, that was a great experience. Everyone, I mean, well, Larry, Hall of Famer, uh, the best player I ever played with. I mean, he got all the real, real five tools. Uh, Dante, man, the great hitter, clutch hitter, and uh, I know Ellis, man, one of the another five tool player, man, can do it all. Uh, and uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience for me to uh, to be around them and learn a lot from them. That was that was an unbelievable experience. For me. Did he, who was the first guy that said that you used to Dante. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dante? Uh, the defining moment, what did you say? Early, yeah, an early one that kind of defined the club for you. Boy, you know, I, I'm in the same situation with Vinny. We, these guys came, they were players. We were kind of trying to uh, establish, and, and um, a lot of people think I was in the expansion draft. I was actually traded for it. And I remember the, 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 they, they uh, said, who do you want in the draft that we can tra draft? And I think Baylor was the reason I got here. Who do you want in this expansion draft that we can trade you Chef for? And I think it was, I forget the guy named the big left-hand power. But I got here. But I think the first moment that really was probably the first time uh, Jeremy Morris spoke to the team and, uh, you know, talked about, you know, the dreams and everything, and, it, and, and it's all here for you guys. <coughs> These fans are—you're going to be stunned at the fans. And, the, and we were like eighty-three thousand, I think, opening day. And I didn't think we any of us kind of thought that was coming. 
and uh, it did, and it was crazy. And it was we played, and it's going to be tough to ever beat that era because of just how many people showed up and were just they were excited to have us. I think for the first two years they cheered on you know Poppins, you know they were they just loved us. <laughs> I think it was that speech speech that Jerry McMorris gave that day, and uh, and uh, that just was kind of like oh wow, this has got a chance to be fun. Um. For me, once in a, there are two situations that happened. One was in an expo uniform, when, as Dante just touched on, when you step into a ballpark and there's 80 some odd thousand people uh, for a baseball game at a football field. You know, that was, coming as a visitor, that was uh, quite special for me. Uh, and then the first year in, in a Rocky uniform, the, the one moment that always stands up in my head is middle April, 14th inning, and you see that fist pump of a game winning home run. Uh, that, that, that stands out and kind of started the season. It was game one, and here we go. And, oh, I made the right decision, so it was, uh, that was pretty cool for me. Well, for me coming over, you know, as a free agent and signing with the Rockies, uh, you know, in 94, uh, the first season here for me, I thought it was going to be a hell of an offensive club. I knew that right away. It was just a matter of uh, you know, where I was going to hit because I was with you know, Benny. There was all kinds of guys. I think you hit eights, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I knew we were going to score runs. I knew we were going to be a team that we were going to be reckoned with. But also, the key was the pitching, if we could get the pitching to match that offense. And, you know, of course, we had guys that spot start here and there. But I knew it was going to be a great club. I was excited to be a part of something new. Of course, they were here in the inaugural season in 93. But... It was still fairly new, um, and like they all said, the fans. I mean, you know, in Mile High State, you're looking at 75,000 fans. I've never seen anything like that in the game, breaking records in, in just series alone. So it was some excitement and uh, always something new. But I was looking forward to that, the challenge. Thank you. Rockies fans obviously adore you guys. You still talk about the Blake Street Bombers. When Larry got into the Hall of Fame, did it feel like? the Bombers were being acknowledged at least on a national level by Major League Baseball and by the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? I thought that was one of the best things for the Rockies to have the, the first Hall of Fame. And it had to be Larry. It was unbelievable. Congratulations all the way around with that. He's an unbelievable player and uh, nothing but respect for him and what he's done. But as far as the whole city and this region, I thought it was perfect because, of course, we're going to have another one coming up soon, hopefully with Todd. But uh, I thought it was perfect, perfect timing for the Rockies and the fans. So, yeah, it, I thought it was a good thing. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I went, I was, I, I kind of, I did a lot of interviews. I talked more about Larry for a freaking year than going <laughs> <laughs> up to that. And, you know what, I was, I was really pumped for him because, yeah, we, there was a little bit of, uh, you know, that, course field thing and uh and i think a lot of people when i talked to them said oh i didn't know that and i think a big push that helped him is is how his ex-teammates talked about it because i can tell you personally i played with Griffey jr i played with some really really good players i never played anybody could do everything like this guy can do i mean he could do everything better than anybody in person basically run the bases better play defense if he wanted to freaking win a batting title that was there wanted to freaking hit home runs out was there. It was crazy and it was it's I think it's great for Colorado to have that in in their in the books. Yeah. And I, I 
I think for for everybody in the organization, for everybody, all the all the guys that, that play with Larry, we are very very excited and happy for him in the the, the organization, the first Hall of Famer, and the, the fans and he love him, and he got the chance to watch him play every day, man, and share the game with with uh, with us first, and then with with the, with the fans. I mean, that was unbelievable experience for for us all when he was. When they put him in the Hall of Fame, I was, I was very happy and excited for him and for everybody here. I mean, obviously for his family and friends, but for the whole city of Denver and for all the players that we played with him. And I was looking forward to the speech. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> I got delayed for a year. I'm about to make that sheet up a hundred times and start it over a hundred times. Question for all you guys: uh, The Rockies are trying to find their way back to a winning path right now. We debate all the time: Should they go back to some kind of Blake Street Bomber type offense? If you know a lot of big money involved, of course, to bring guys like you in. But is that something that you think could work here to just make this a place where the offense just scares the other team to death? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime you can put up. You know, seven, eight, nine, ten runs a game that you should do pretty good. But then, of course, if you're giving up eight, nine, ten, eleven runs a game, uh, you know you're kind of chasing your tail. But um, I, I think you know I was speaking earlier today to someone about the the farm system because you, know, you just can't go out and and purchase you know, a ton of money on players or trade off a lot because then you're, you know, you're left dry. So I think you know the farm system needs to be built a little bit too to to have that uh, pool that you can go grab some good players on that can come on up. So I think they're, they're they're perhaps running a little thin right now in that department. So and, and that you know that's a that's a process that's got to start and it doesn't happen you know over a couple of years. It's, it takes some time. You know, and that's exactly the point I was going to make as far as the minor league system is concerned, especially with the pitching aspect. You know, you look at the organization itself and the key pitchers in the past ten years have been homegrown talent. You're not going to get a lot of free agents to come in here unless you overpay them like you've done a couple of times before and it didn't pan out. So you definitely have to stock up at the minor league level on the pitching side first and then the hitters, you know, you can actually go get a free agent hitter. You know, either a big bopper in the infield, big bopper in the outfield. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it starts with pitching now. Yeah, to me, uh, this is, I've thought about this a million times. But um, I think, yeah, you're right on it. The Blake Street Bombers, that 95 team is to me is a good mold to start from because if you look at that bullpen, it was a bunch of guys that were really, I mean, you got to give Gebhardt a free credit because he pulled out Ruffin out of nowhere and Laskanik and, and we had Steve Reed from here. We had all kind of funky arms and they, they and, 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 and the character, not so much the character, but just the, like Kevin Ritz was a perfect one. He just didn't care about his stats. That's a big one here because if you're trying to win Cy Young here, this is not the place to pitch, right? So you got to get a veteran like Kevin Ritz. He said, Dante, I remember Kevin Ritz throwing inside. He said, Dante, I'm going to throw inside. And I'm going to throw inside. And if they hit it out of the park, I'm going to throw inside. And he didn't get scared. And he wasn't worried about it. He said, I, you know, he won 17 games for us with a four-something ERA. And, and then that bullpen, and they were really, really good. I mean, Laskanik, it, it was really good, rough. And, and then offensively, yes, you've got to bully teams at home. You've got to get teams. And it's not so much, you know, you hear a lot about get some fly ball hitters. 
none of us were fly ball hitters. We were all line drive hitters. You put good line drive hitters with bat speed in this park, and all of a sudden, it really those that really is what blows up in this park. So I think fly ball hitters, they hit fly balls are out any park. A big league park is not tough to hit a home run in, you know. Um, so I just think you get a bunch of good hitters that blow up in this park, and then you'll have something that you bully teams around. That's my mind. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with, uh, with all these guys about that. We uh, we have a uh, you know ninety five like that to say uh, have a uh, mortgage rolling on line and uh, and we uh, outscore people. I mean, we don't have the pitching. I was uh, talking in Spanish radio yesterday about uh, they asked me what have you guys that line up because we 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 can hit plus the team can run too and play two defense. Too. So and they asked me, well, you guys have a De La Rosa, Uvaldo Jimenez, Herman, and that team as a man? We uh, probably we, we win, and and with that, with all the line we have, I think it's this ballpark is for for to score runs and have some guys that can they can scare people, man. I mean, I remember uh, when uh, usually the last group hit when the team stretching, and uh, we we started. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, Ray. Because those guys, they scared to call me. So, I mean, that's that, that's going to help a lot, man. Dante, and uh, talking about the 95 team, I, I kind of always felt the kind of year you had in 95, but the uh, reputation of course feels that anybody could hit. And so, I think your, your statistics were kind of downgraded when they gave the most valuable player to Larkin. How did you feel about that that year? Yeah, that was kind of a statement, hey, we're not going to give an MVP to the, the Juiced Up Stadium. And I didn't help myself out because I don't know if you remember, I didn't hit a home run on the road in the first half. And I didn't even know that. I had 16 homers at home or something. And then somebody told me, and I remember Baylor, Baylor said, hey, I want you to talk to this, this sports psychologist over here. And I said, all right, after BP, I was like, all right, all right, I'll talk to him for you. I'd do anything for Don Baylor. And I forgot. I forgot the guy was there after BP, and I never talked to the guy. And the next game on the road, I said, all right, I'm hitting a home. And I hit a home, and I actually, I think, led or tied Mike Piazza for most homers on the road in the second half. And, but it wasn't enough. And uh, he took care of that the next year, though. And then him, the freaking year after that, I think they all, they all, all three of us had like 40 and 340. This has always been considered a young franchise, and Vinny, you're still with the organization. All of you have worked with it um, at some point in the past. How important is it to reach out to you guys and make you a part of what's going on now? And, uh, you know, Vinny, Larry, all of you, just answer that one. I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still working for the organization, and uh, you know, it's, it's like the, the young the young guys come and ask me questions, and I'll be able to take the answer. And, and they uh, want to hear something about what we do with our team and stuff, or even the, uh, the front office. Something they come and say, "Hey, you guys do this, how you guys do that?" And, you know, that's uh, that's good. The 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 young, the young kids uh, come and approach us because we, we have some success here. Not only here, but then, I mean, everybody plays different. All of us have success too, and then, and then all the workloads. And, uh, 
but that's uh, that's I, I feel I feel good when uh, when I can share with the young players, man, with, uh, with, to my what I learned through my career, and that's and I and I enjoy doing that too. Um, I've never I don't I don't do much coaching. I don't like so I don't know how to translate what I did verbally to to people. I don't I, I don't know how to. Uh, tell them how to maybe do this or do that, and if I do explain it to them, it doesn't make sense to them. It made sense to me, you know, because I, I, I knew everything I was doing right or wrong, and I, you know, I didn't need somebody to, to harp on me every day about it because I, I, I knew, well, you know, I knew how to fix my, my stuff uh, internally in my head. So for me, the, the biggest part I could try to talk to kids, and, I, and if I do get asked, it's the mental part of the game, because for me, that's. That, that dominates any part of the game of anything physical. All these kids in this clubhouse are major league ball players, but are they major league ball players between their ears? And I think that's what uh, more people need to work on than the actual uh, the physical part or the, you know, the playing part. I, th I think what he said is really what's missing in the game right now. Is is we are you know we've kind of moved on from big league guys coaching. You know we got minor league guys coaching, <coughs> and, and, and they're doing a great job, but. I know when I came up, and I bet you these guys can say the same things. I learned from the big league guys and the big league coaches who were big league hitters. They're, you just can't replace that. Yes, I, I mean, anybody can teach a swing. Anybody can can teach an exit speed or an exit below or or tell you what strikes this guy. But to actually manage this mind right here in a big league game, that's the most difficult thing, and that's the thing that gets you over the hump. And and I don't know. We're all you got as far as Colorado's history, right? So, um, yeah, definitely. I think it's important for every team to reach out to their ex-players or just ex-players, period, to come and get that back because that's about that's you just can't even you can't put a, a you can't quantify that kind of knowledge that these guys all have. Yeah, I think it's essential that an organization bring back some of their former players, uh, you know, just to have that knowledge. You get young minor league players or young major league players that uh, their first or second year in the big leagues, all of a sudden they struggle. They never struggled before in the minor league. They struggle at this level. And like Dante and Larry said, the mental part, they're done. They don't know how to rebound from stuff like that. They go into this little spiral all the way down. I can give you one case. I won't mention the player's name, but I was in a batting cage with him when I was with the Rockies. And we was working together, and uh, all of a sudden he asked me, uh, did you make it to the big leagues? I said, I got a cup of coffee. <laughs> and I, I said, you know, and the next day he came back to me after Googling me, of course. And he's like, oh, shit, nah, I'm sorry I had <laughs> It's just, you know, they don't know. But the thing about it, I think it's up to the organization to bring these guys back. Let them talk to them. Just walk around. Let these kids just interact with them. Talk to them about anything. It's not necessarily hitting, it could be on defense, it could be base running, it could be anything like that. But th this organization is probably one of the only ones that, that I've been with that haven't done that. Most of the other teams that I've been with, they bring guys back to do that. So yeah, I think it's essential, I think it's something very important that this <laughs> club needs to do. But the getting swing is so much different now too and what they're teaching, because I, I, I coach Team Canada within the WBC every year, and, and the only one that was doing anything right was Freddie Freeman, because he's Doing it old school, old school. You know, and, and right now they're these swings that they take in batting practice and off a tee in the cage. 
And I'm just saying, what are you doing? The idea is not to hit the top of the roof, it's to hit the hand down there. It's, just, it's, it's tough to teach, but that's what they're being taught, and I don't know how to talk about that. Yeah. It makes sense to me. We got about 10 minutes left. Two big differences I think we've seen in the game since your playing days. One with the metrics that we have now and another with a lot of these new rules over the last couple of years. So the two-part question is, is there a metric that you particularly like or maybe have reevaluated your own career, a modern metric with? And secondarily, have there been any rule changes that you thought, man, I would have liked to have had that or I'm glad that, I that they didn't have that during my playing days? I don't ask that. <laughs> I, I actually love all the metrics. I love them all. We're just—I think we're using them all. Uh, okay, I'll give you—I'll give you this. This might be a little bit, that, but um, you know, this whole pitch decisions. You know, we're, we're, we don't want—you know—we don't want anybody to, uh, swinging at anything other than right down the middle now. And that's great. If, and I think what an analytic guy would do is he would look at that and he would say, dang, if you just swing at that pitch down the middle, you hit 400. So why would you swing at anything else? Uh, and they'll tell you, get one of those every half-back. Now, if I told Michael Jordan, hey, have you noticed that when you shoot layups, you shoot at like 90%, why don't you just shoot layups, you know? And don't practice that fadeaway jumper that won you six world championships. Just practice that layup. You know, that would work against teams that let him get to the basket, right? And that pitch down the middle would work against pitchers that throw it down the middle, right? But it, but, but analytics is driven to beat the average player. The above average guy, you know, uh, Garrett Cole's not giving you pitches down the middle every at bat. The below average guy probably give you two a pitch in that bat. And the average guy probably give you one. So it, it works, but I don't think it wins championships. So I just think the metrics are awesome. We just don't use them correctly. And the other thing, this, this, the, 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 uh, the new rule changes, I think the um, thrown over twice, I think they're just, they're taking advantage of that because pitchers, and that, the pitchers will have this offseason, the, the organizations will be on that, they'll be trying to figure that out. They'll probably figure it out to a point, but I think they're taking advantage of it. You see it's so many stolen bases, so it's, that would be fun, because we like to run back. So you, you have to well, you know, the thing about, I love a lot of these rules that they implemented, like, trying to bring back athleticism that was taken away because of so much of the metrics and all this other stuff. So, you know, to take it away and just look at launching, you had guys five foot six, 150 pounds, launching the balls trying to hit home runs, and that's not, what, that's not your job, okay? You're not supposed to do that anyway. But all of a sudden, they saw the numbers were so down, they had to do something to bring it back as far as the creation of, you know, the shift, no more shifting. Guys, the average league average was two thirty, terrible. Okay, uh, make bigger bases. All of a sudden, it creates more athleticism. Guys have a chance to steal more. Okay, um, I mean, there's so many different things that they tried to do to bring back the athleticism, which I think was taken away initially because of all this stuff. Okay, so yeah, just play baseball. Hit run, but where is that? <laughs> That's like a dinosaur nowadays, right? You don't do it anymore. So, I mean, see, the, the name of this game is to win, outscore the opposing team any way possible. If that means dropping a bunt to get a guy over at second base, base hit, but the metrics are saying, oh, well, that the percentages of that, no, I don't like that, but that's just me. You know, I've been old school, but I still like some of the changes, okay? All this stuff is resources, but you still have to play the game of baseball.
I, uh, you know, I'm a hybrid, man. I like, uh, I like a lot of new stuff, but I like the old school stuff too. Uh, I, uh, I think you still have to use your instincts. I mean, the metrics there, all the analytics are there for you to use it and uh, give better to. But uh, you have to be you too. You have to have use your instinct, man. Uh, how big is your heart? How big is your gut? That is not. No, nobody measured that. So, like I said, I, I love a lot of stuff, the new stuff, but I, I, I love the old stuff too. I, the old, old school guy too. And the changes they made, the, the one I really like is the one they when they go over to see, to, to make the right call. I like that one a lot because they uh, you see yes, World Series lost because of that. So I, I like that a lot because <coughs> we finally made the right call then. I'm not going to touch the analytics because I don't even understand. I don't know what they stand for or what they mean or anything. So it's, uh, you don't know what your OPS plus is? Clueless on anything. Really, the rule changing. I'm, I'm glad that. I guess I'm, it's better that the shift isn't there. Although in the same breath, I can't figure out how hitters could adapt and, and figure out how to hit a baseball the other way and, and take advantage of what they were given instead of just stick with the same stupid swing all the time that wasn't working. It made no sense to me. Um, and I, I'm not a fan of the, uh, the the extra innings starting the guy on second. I, I hate that. You know, you go out there, you're battling your asses off for nine innings, and now you, all of a sudden you get a gift runner at second base. You know, I'd rather I'd rather if they want to do it in the tenth inning, how about we start a runner at first base, not at second, or don't put the guy at second until maybe the eleventh or twelfth inning. You know, at least have a couple of days to win it in normal baseball fashion. Why don't you just have a home run derby? <laughs> 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 you want to like a like a soccer. Well, you know, I think um, you know if if we came back for the hundredth anniversary, they'll still be talking about your era as a distinct era. It'll never be repeated. I don't think in Rockets history. And part of that is you know the, the humidor and the. Fence, elevated, things like that. But what's it in your mind, you know, to have to have been a part of that unique period of time and have that part of your legacy? What's your, you know, your your? How do you come to terms with that as part of your? We're like classic rock, right? Yeah, classic yeah. rock doesn't exist. This new music sucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, The Who. You know, that doesn't exist no more. So we're a classic rock. I mean, we're the Blake Street Bombers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's really cool. That's probably my most famous thing about me, right? I was a Blake Street Bomber. And that's what people remember me as. I think it's cool to know, too, and I think this is still true. We're the only team in history to steal 200 bags and hit 200 homers. That was a cool thing. I thought. So, yeah, that was, a, that was a cool, cool team. And, uh, and the fans here love the Blake Street Bombers, so what you love never dies. For each one of you, your least favorite pitcher that you faced. Well, I got, I hate all pitchers, <laughs> but uh, if I'm going to go with the least favorite, I, I say the one that I did the worst against, I guess. So for me, I was 0 for 18 against Wally Whitehurst. So, <laughs> so my first game, <clears throat> can I tell the story? <laughs> my, um, I get to the big leagues and I'm, I'm platooning with Claudel Washington and I notice 
Nolan Ryan's pitching, and Claudell's a left-hander, he's probably playing. And I read the newspaper, and it had every strikeout that Nolan ever had in each player. And at the top of the list was Claudell Washington. <laughs> <laughs> 30 times he struck him out. I said, oh, I'm in the lineup today. But I was excited. I was a young kid. I was like, I can't wait. This is Nolan Ryan. I went out there. He was 45 or 46, still throwing 110. <laughs> and, I, and I go, and I get out there, and I look out there, and I'm like, oh, he, that's not him. And he looked like a young 25-year-old, and he had this big old butt on him, man. <laughs> he just jacked, man. And um, then he took off his hat. He was bald. And I was like, oh, that's that's all right. And I remember the first pitch he threw me. It was, you know, I was... I was a kid. I mean, Nolan Ryan, he, he threw 800. He didn't throw 100. He threw about 800 <laughs> to a young kid, right? I remember I was looking for this 800-mile-an-hour fastball, and he threw a breaking ball. And it's the only time in my life I fell on my back. And it was right down the middle. And it ended up not striking out. He took a no-hitter into the seventh. I got a hit. I was one for three with no strikeouts. And I thought, I went in after that game and said, I can play in the big leagues. That's the greatest pitcher, I think, ever. The best stuff anyways. And I remember I ended up. One for 11 with 8K. <laughs> <laughs> that was my toughest guy. For me, the toughest guy I faced in, in my career was Pedro Martinez. I mean, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. We uh, have uh, 20 pitches, I think. <laughs> all, all those 20 pitches are above average. Man. So that, that was, uh, that was a, a tough day when, when you face uh, a guy like Pedro Martinez. I think for me, it was Brett Saberhagen. <clears throat> My first game, I hit a homer against him and had another hit. After that, I was over 18 with about 15 punch outs. So he made the adjustment and I hit it. <laughs> <laughs> you stepped in as far as knee docking stuff. You know, uh, uh, Doc Gooden was no fun to step mm -hmm. in against, and uh, John Candelaria was no fun as a left hander stepping in against. Those are two that stick in your head is like, oh God, I got no chance. Randy Johnson. I hit, I hit Randy. Randy Johnson. Like that. Except for the game I didn't play against him. Did him. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Thank you again to Ellis Burks, Vinny Castilla, Dante Bichette, and Larry Walker. I know these things are big promo things and, uh, you know, the, the teams put them together, but I really appreciated the honesty of their answers, the entertainment value of their answers. Uh, it, it was pretty good stuff there, and so I appreciated the earnestness of it. Uh, that you don't always get from people who are still active in the game. So thanks to those guys, and thanks to you for listening into this episode. Make sure you're following Mile High Sports on Twitter, on YouTube, on all the social media stuff. You're checking out all of the written content. I've got a big Ellis Burks thing coming up here very soon, and I just posted a big Dante Bichette thing. And, uh, of course, you all know that throughout the season, been lots of Larry Walker stuff, and the Vinny Castilla video slash article is one of my favorite things that I've done all year. So seeing these guys around as I've been doing this research, talking about them all year, and like I said, I'm about ready to publish the big Ellis Burks thing was a, a lot of fun. So I, I hope you all will go and check all that. Keep the love of the Blake Street Bombers alive because as Vinny Castilla says, as long as you love something, it can never die. Thank you all for listening in, and I'll see you next time.